thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is That Paleo Show with your hosts, Stephanie Wozalik, Dr. Yana James, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Stephanie Wozlick. I'm Dr. Yana James. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. This week, we're going to delve into a little bit more of a, a, what is it, a theoretical topic? I'm not really sure. More of the history of the paleo ancestors and mm-hmm. kind of what they ate, what they didn't eat. And um, I think the message of today's episode is really going to be that to debunk a lot of the paleo myths here that there really is no one paleo diet there's no one paleo location there's no one paleo season that sort of thing so we're going to talk a lot about those topics today yeah so we're really going to be covering sort of i guess seasonality and um, geography and we're very lucky that steph's partner is a geologist so he's given (laughs) us a bit of history a bit he schooled our asses on some information that we uh, didn't know at the time so it's been really good and steph was sort of talking us through it before we started recording. So you want to go into a little bit of um, what Ryan shared with you? Yeah, I'm going to do my best to get this right. <laughs> and he'll probably listen along and go, no, well, yeah. I never said that. And you're that. still going to get critiqued for it by Ryan later, so go uh, for it. No, he, <laughs> doesn't, he doesn't listen to these episodes. So. <laughs> uh, he might listen to this one, actually. This is how we hook in all the geologists. So. Um, yeah, so basically, I, I, I'm going to compile a bunch of different sources, Ryan being one of them, and hope that I get this right please don't read me out if it's wrong (laughs) it's not necessarily my area of expertise but essentially modern humans from my understanding uh have been around for about 200,000 years um that humans in the looser sense have been around a lot longer than that but the the what we would call a modern human maybe 200,000 years ago um from africa so we've all heard of the out of out of africa Mm -hmm. uh Theory? Yeah. Yeah. So um, so basically, in the last 200,000 years, we've had tons of different climate changes, like fluctuating between glaciation and warmer periods and um, lots and lots and lots of different seasonal changes. And uh, about 100,000 years ago, or maybe 110,000 years ago, I guess, was when humans actually started to leave Africa. So for that 100,000 years... Yeah, prior to that. So for about 100,000 years, we were living in Africa, and that is where most of our genetic makeup, well, I guess half of our genetic makeup has has come from, was in that time in Africa. But we're not really picturing Africa the same as it is now either, because it definitely went through periods of being really cold and really hot and and different, different seasons and animals and plants and all that sort of thing as well. But then, of course, we started leaving Africa, and and all through that time is when humans started to develop um, adaptability to different climates and different areas. So once we started leaving Africa, then it got really cold again, so had to retreat back down south about... um, Maybe 46,000 years ago, maybe I'll put an Australian context on it, 46,000 years ago um, was when humans reached Australia, and... Oh, see, I'm going to get this wrong again. But anyways, so again, the climate in Australia was quite different. And and we think that was maybe when we had all the really, really giant animals, like uh, like a wombat. <laughs> Massive drop so bears. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. So five, five ton drop bears. Yeah. <laughs> no one on the call knows what you're talking about. Oh. <laughs> but anyways, like, like a wombat. 
the size of a hippo. Yeah. That's awesome. pretty cool. That's cool. Or like a three meter tall kangaroo. That's, yeah. that's kind of cool. That's... I'm, I'm just trying to imagine trying to hunt a wombat the size of a hippo. Like, I, I don't reckon I'd stand a chance of bringing that <laughs> thing They're down. already pretty rough as they are as little tiny. Yeah. They don't stop little it tanks. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we like you think of woolly mammoths and stuff as yeah, well. I guess true. they're all the same... Yeah, that's true. The same type of thing. Giganticized versions of what we have now. Yeah. 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 So, so then, of course, there were um, some other interesting things going on, which I actually did find interesting, uh, was uh, when Ryan was telling me about all this stuff, and uh, is that when the earth was covered in so much ice, there was a lot less um, available water. So the oceans were a lot lower, which of course meant that we had better land bridges between Australia and Tasmania and Papua New Guinea and obviously other places in the world as well. There was also way less precipitation because it's all stuck into the ice, which as you can imagine would really affect the type of plants uh, that we would have as well. So the the planet would have been a lot more arid and dry as well. So Mm. again, that maybe didn't do it justice. I hope that (laughs) you've kind of got the idea from that is that over the last 200,000 years, We've really adapted to a lot, a lot of different situations. And and that kind of brings us back to the fact that there is no one paleo diet for everyone everywhere on the planet. Yeah, because we were just talking about, you know, people who say to us, yeah, but, you know, I don't like the paleo diet because it's just all about meat. Or, you know, I don't like the paleo diet because it's just too restrictive or, or whatever it is. But, you know, people have this idea of what they think the paleo diet is. Like, they think that it's just heaps of meat and maybe a few little veggies and only certain veggies here and there thrown in. But... In actual fact, the paleo diet, like when you look at, it's really just eating, you know, getting back to basics and eating real food, isn't it? And, and preferably having quite a variety of that. But, um, but you know, even when you look back at the ancestors, then perhaps they weren't even getting that variety. Like if you look at the Inuit populations and they were really just eating like fish and blubber, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of variety in their diet. But I guess the one thing, and, and you know, perhaps if you look at maybe a more tropical island, then they might have had heaps of fruit in their diet and, and certainly in really different again. But... I guess the, what, the one thing that you look at when you look at the paleo diet is probably more so what they didn't have than what they did have, right? Because, mm. you know, what they did have was basically just real food. I mean, we've pretty much covered that. But it's more what they didn't have, which is the, you know, the breads, the grains, the cereals, the processed crap, the sugar added in, the, you know, all of that sort of stuff. That's what really makes it a paleo diet. It's not about, you know, what was eaten in one particular region or what was eaten in a different particular region. It's just about getting back to real food, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, a lot of the reason that people are driven towards doing paleo is for health reasons. And we sort of talk about health being our body's ability to adapt, to repair and to regenerate itself in response to a changing environment. And, like, that's what we've done throughout millennia. We... (laughs) Brett's trying to move in the chair. Go on, shuffle about, make some noise. <laughs> we'll all move our chairs in. Um, so, you know, human beings have had to be able to adapt to their environments to survive and to thrive, and that's that's why we're still on the planet. Having said that, it takes us time to adapt, and our environment has pretty much changed fairly slowly throughout the ages, and it's just recently that we've changed it so drastically, which is why, you know, every every time we come back to things, it's just about getting back to eating real food as close as possible to is how it, it, it's grown in nature net. That's stupid. Grown in nature naturally, um, but you know, just trying to keep it, trying to keep it clean because we know that's what our bodies are going to do the best with. It's going to grow and adapt, or it's going to grow the best with good quality stuff that it can recognise, as opposed to things it hasn't seen before, or mm-hmm. hasn't had much time to experience. 
Yeah, well, there's a bit of a contradiction here, right? Because you hear us saying that our bodies can adapt to all of these things, but then we're also saying, but we don't eat grains. And so some people out there are saying, well, can't we adapt to the grains? But I think the interesting thing and what really solidifies it for me is that grains are not designed to be eaten. The whole point, well, they're designed to be eaten. They're not designed to be digested. Mm -hmm. The whole point, their survival mechanism, they don't have teeth and claws and they can't run away. Mm -hmm. Their survival mechanism is to not be digested. (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention the fact that the way we actually evolve to be suited to our environment is evolution and natural selection. So it's like, yeah, sure, if you want us to evolve to be good at grains, then that's fine, but it's going to probably involve a bit of natural selection along the way of people eating stuff that actually they're not really designed to be eating and then we'll find out who actually can deal with it and the rest of you might just die off and if you're okay with that that's cool yeah <laughs> I, I had the, uh, knowing what wheat does to me already thinking of some grain with like claws and legs to run after me that's a pretty scary image that's a formidable beast but oh, <laughs> thank really goodness they don't <laughs> that's hysterical oh, gee. yeah but I think I over time like generations and generations it's not necessarily that you've evolved like yes we have evolved but people People adapt to their environment without necessarily taking on these evolutionary traits either, right? So you can Mm. adapt to eating a mango versus, um, I don't know, a a lemon. Or, well, that was a terrible example (laughs) because no one eats lemons. But but you know what I mean? Like, I don't have to evolve to be able to eat a mango. Yeah. I just, my body knows what to do with it. Mm. Yeah. Well, you can go like right down a rabbit hole there and start talking about like Lamarckian evolution versus Newtonian evolution. And they, they had some quite different ideas around how it happened. And, you know, we've kind of stuck with the Newtonian evolution idea, which was that it was really only natural selection that was actually making a difference. Whereas Lamarck, who actually had these ideas before Newton, was really interesting. And he talked about um, how actually maybe it's that we're actually not just evolving by natural selection, but maybe we're actually evolving as we go through our lifetime and get exposed to different different stuff and adapt. Um, and the interesting thing about that is that now with the advent of um, you know, epigenetics and those sort of things, we're now seeing that our actual lifestyles yeah, sorry, I did say Newtonian. I meant Darwinian. Thank you're you. thinking physics, not biology. I meant Darwinian, not Newtonian. Thank you, Dr. Yana. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, the point was Lamarck, he was the cool guy because he was the one who said that maybe it's adaptations that happen during our lifetime that matter as well. Mm. And as it's turned out, now that we're discovering epigenetics, we're realizing that, hey, actually, maybe he actually had the better idea all along because we can actually pick up traits based on our lifestyles and our environment into not actually into our genes, but into our epigenome. And that can actually affect us going forwards too yeah fascinating stuff I <laughs> I, I, I got distracted thinking now what did you just say uh, that was terrible and, and now I'm not sure if you covered this but there's also um, I'm pretty sure it was Bruce Lipton that uh, opened this up for me um, in terms of my thought processes was um, talking about Darwinian evolution being that that it's um, um, survival of the fittest, mm. yeah. whereas is it, Lam- is it, is it, it Lamarckian is that says that it's when you actually band together that you get a better outcome, as in tribal communities, but not only that, tribal cells, when cells that have, you know, mm. tribal... Um, not, not tribal, it's the advantage. It's the advantage, get. yeah. It's working together as opposed to trying to fight out other cells, beings, whatever. Yeah, um, Yeah. anyway, that, that always fascinated me at uni. God, anyway, completely off topic. No, no. Um, <laughs> but that was Bruce Lipton. Uh, was I remember it? reading yeah, that as well cool in dude. the biology of belief. Really yeah, cool. Right. Yeah. 
So I guess the point, though, is really simply is just that different people were eating different stuff mm-hmm. in all different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and even at different times, even in the same spot, they were eating different stuff. Yep. So this idea that there's just one paleo diet is just not right. And it's just about, like I said, getting back to basics, eating real food, and, and probably working out which of those real foods work for you. And, you know, there's a heap of ways where people are obviously trying to do that. And you see, like, the blood type diet and all those different things where people are trying to figure out well, okay, which region did I actually come from? And perhaps which of those foods might be the ones that I adapted better towards? And mm. and I kind of think that makes sense. Like, I think there is probably a certain aspect there where you can say, well, this person evolved in a certain region. They were probably eating a certain food. Then they might be better suited to eating that kind of stuff. Um, I tend to look at the blood type diets and all those sort of diets and think, yeah, it makes sense, like, from a theory. But I'm just not sure if there's actually enough evidence there to suggest that these certain people who are a certain blood type are definitely designed to be eating a certain type of food. And so I really encourage people, I think, to, to work within that paleo framework and say, well, okay, you know, there's some sort of stuff that we're probably just not designed to eat and we're better off avoiding. There's a whole bunch of stuff that fits within the paleo framework. And then in amongst that, now I'm going to start trying different combinations of those foods and different ratios of those foods. I know, Steph, you've done this a lot to figure out what of that works for me. Yeah, and I find it really interesting too because obviously now we have the ability to fly around the world. I you know, was born and raised Canadian, so you would think as I was developing, I adapted to the types of foods that we had in Canada, which, which maybe, maybe I did or didn't based on imports or whatever. <laughs> They're making fun of my about again. <laughs> no, I was getting excited because you just said flying around the world and I'm going to be flying around the world soon, so I'm really excited. <laughs> Anyways, back to my actual distractions today. Jeez, it's been a really exciting day. It has been. But but really what I was trying to get at is that when you travel to a new location, it's not so much about eating what they have there, but... Oh, God. Now I'm laughing at you. You're killing me. Okay. All right. I'm going to try again. Last last time. But when you you notice that when you go somewhere hot, you don't want to be eating soup and stew and things like that because Uh you're not your body doesn't want those types of foods when you're in that type of climate. I know when I moved to Australia in the summer, I definitely am not eating that food. But interestingly, we've been able to adapt our environment as well in the home so have air conditioning and heat Mm. so that the types of foods that we really should and shouldn't be eating in those different seasons there's not really that that barrier anymore you can have your air conditioning on it could be 40 degrees celsius outside and you know a nice comfortable temperature inside and you can have a bowl of soup because you're like oh i'm cold i should warm up (laughs) but that's that's really strange for your body your body doesn't really isn't yeah. isn't really meant to to work like that, I yeah. don't think. Well, I think we are. We're just so out of touch with the seasons. And part of that also is refrigeration and, and mass, um, what I say, transport of our food. So, you know, once upon a time, it would be that, you know, whatever was growing locally in my area at this time of year is what would be available and what I would eat. And now it's like you can get your fruits and veggies and whatever it is the whole year round because they're either you know, frozen from whenever they were in season or they've been transported from the complete other side of the world. And so what it means is that, yeah, we, we perhaps miss out on that natural seasonal variety that I'm sure was actually an important part of us getting those different nutrients and probably those di- different nutrients at different times of the year when we actually needed those nutrients because that's just the way nature tends to work. It's kind of clever like that. Mm. Uh, but I really like what you're saying about listening to your body because I think that's so important is that, you know, your body kind of knows what it needs when it's hot and what it needs when it's cold. And, you know, if you actually just sort of take that time to listen to your body and what you are craving and and you know sometimes analyze those cravings a little bit because if you're craving
anything like chocolate, we know that that can be actually other things that you're needing and that's not necessarily chocolate that you need. Um, but perhaps analysing those cravings a bit. But listen to your body and figure out, well, what is it that my body's craving? What is it that I need right now? And I think that helps you create a bit of you know, variability within your paleo diet as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Definitely. I know, like... I was only thinking about this today and it might be slightly off topic, but I read an excellent post um, on on women in paleo. And, you know, my journey is that I I tend to focus on the weight side of things. But I had a realization this morning that, that, you know, when I changed to doing paleo, I started introducing things that I wasn't eating when I was low carb. But I would still say I'm healthier now than I was then, even mm. though I'm heavier. Um, and I think a lot of that to, is to do with the fact that I'm looking for things that my, my body is needing. And at the time, I was really um, a lot slenderer. Um, I, would, I don't even know if that's a word. I'm making stuff up it's now, too. Like um, <laughs> um, that I was craving carbohydrates like sweet potato and pumpkin and fruit and that sort of thing. And, and once I started eating those, I put on the weight and wasn't cold anymore. So, and you know, the, there's possibly some hormonal imbalance that's driving that. But I'm still confident in the fact that my choices are healthful for my body and helping me thrive. And I think that's really what paleo is about. Is about to me anyway. It's about eating clean food that's going to help my body do its best job. And the blog post I was reading was talking about women of childbearing age that you know we're yeah. meant to have body fat somewhere between 24 and 28 percent body fat in order to reproduce and when you lose too much weight your cycles go out of whack which we know um so that just gave me a lot of confidence in that you know what my ba- my body might be actually doing this because it's got a reason to do it and i gotta stop beating it up about you know not doing what i want it to do <laughs> yeah and that fits in perfectly with the seasonality of food as well so we know that in the fall or autumn as you guys call it right um <laughs> you know the summer the summer Summer and the fall, we have all of this like really carbohydrate rich foods. Mm. We've got all the fruits and vegetables in season, and we've got the end of the season, you get all the squash and the pumpkin and the sweet. I don't know when sweet potato season is, but anyways, <laughs> potatoes and all of those things come into season right right before the winter. So we're designed to eat those. And um, Mark Sisson had a really excellent post on this. I recommend you all kind of look it up, but just talking about actually putting your body into metabolic syndrome. And then you start losing the vitamin D as well, which increases the metabolic syndrome. And you, um, and, and you know, the daylight starts starts uh, minimizing as well, all preparing you for this period of hibernation where you are designed to live off of that fat for the winter. So when you're living off of that fat, then you can get through the winter and then you're all skinny again by the summer, time for bathing suit season. <laughs> and uh, and it's just Loin that cycle. Season. Yeah. yeah, so it's that cycle of weight gain and weight loss that, we're, that we are meant to do. But when we've removed the seasons from ourselves and when we're importing food yeah. from all over, when we're acclimatizing our homes and and we're not actually hibernating, we're not actually not moving and staying still to conserve yeah. energy in the in the times of quote unquote hibernation. Um, we've really really messed up that cycle. Yeah, we have. So the other thing that people often talk about when they're you know supposed to be debunking the paleo diet is is just the fact that you know our foods have changed. And you hear people go, yeah, but like the foods are different now to what they used to be back then, so you can't do it anyway. 
And you kind of go, yeah, but that's sort of the point. <laughs> I find that a weird argument to make because I'm like, well, we're not saying you're going to be eating exactly what our hunter-gatherer ancestors ate because as we've just said, you can't do that anyway because they were all eating different stuff. What we're saying is just get back to basics. Keep it as simple as possible, as you know, biologically appropriate as possible. You're getting back to what is as close as possible to what we are designed to eat. And if that means that, hey, you know what, the banana I'm eating now is different to the what bananas were like 100 years ago, well, it's like, well, so be it. I'm going to choose the best choice that I can, you know, and so what, what it's about really is just making the absolute best choices with what is now available to us that are going to get us as close as possible to what we're designed to eat. Yeah, I mean, that banana that we're eating now, yes, is different to the banana from before, but it's nowhere near as different as a packet of Skittles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like the lolly bananas, right? Lolly <laughs> Still bananas. closer to the real banana. <laughs> yes. yeah. Oh my gosh, I forgot about those. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's... Yeah, and we know we we have tampered with the food supply significantly. We've talked about this in in other episodes, just how how humans have changed the food. But again, I would still rather be eating the food that has changed than the food that is fake. Yeah, and and by the same token, you're still going to try and find food that's changed as little as possible. Yeah, the heirloom stuff. Yeah, exactly. So so why not try and get stuff that's as close as original? You know, I know Yana loves her purple carrots. Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, they they seem to be closer to what we would have been eating back then. And they're lower, I think, GI. That's right, isn't it, Yana? I'm pretty sure they're lower. Yeah, they're definitely less sweet than the orange ones, but they've got... Um, they're more nutrient dense. Yeah, mm. yeah. So that makes sense, right? So you're going to always try and choose the option that's as close as possible to the original, and just understand that you may not be able to be exactly right, but that's okay. You're just making the best choice with what you've got available, and I, I don't see why that has to be such a contra- controversy. It just yeah. doesn't make sense. And again, if you're eating local, then your food has been picked more recently, and you're mm. eating it more recent. It hasn't been in cold storage. It hasn't been picked unripe mm. to like get to you as well, and and that's a big part of of the nutrition that you're eating as well. Yeah, yeah that's a good and, point. And organic's on the same boat, right? It's like getting as close as possible to the original. It's, it's grown slower. It's probably more nutrient-dense. You know, you're, you're getting closer to that natural food that's going to give you the best nutrients that your body needs. And, you know, once again, it might not be perfect, but it's, it's looking at those other options of, you know, how can I get it as close as possible to the absolute best? Yeah, and I had a, I haven't told you guys this yet, actually, but I had a question the other day asking me if mints was paleo. Because, yeah, like like ground ground <laughs> meat. Yeah. Because um because of course we couldn't really have processed it in that way, you know, yeah, yeah. when we were yeah. using different tools. And and that's to me it's almost no offense to the person who asked me this question, but it's kind of a silly question because you're still getting the same food and I think we have evolved as humans and we have gotten these tools to make food more interesting and fun and consumable and if that means that we can eat less desirable parts of the animal you know that yeah. other people maybe aren't eating yeah. as in a fillet steak or whatever then i'm more than happy to eat it i'll tell yeah. you what i'm not giving back my thermomix <laughs> <laughs> and and i think i think that traditionally we were eating the less desirable parts of the animal like, exactly. cracking open bones and eating bone marrow yeah. and doing all those sort of things so I don't, I don't see that as a problem at all. I mean, maybe it's just saving you on a bit of chewing and, I don't know, maybe your jaw muscles are going to miss out. But, yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I don't see it as a big deal the and there's compared to the meat. lots of ways to sneak in some organ meat too in mints. I definitely yeah, want to get true. my own mincer so that I can I can start, you know, putting in the liver and stuff mm. into, into the meat. 
Mm-hmm. Nice. So let's go on and talk about some tips of like how people can, I guess, get back to basics and get back to sort of, you know, as we said, just get the best options available. And I know the first one we've got here on the list is probably your favourite yarn. I was going to say, yeah, absolutely. So I'll leave it to you. It's, it's, go, have a guess, everyone. It's farmers markets. Get yourself <laughs> to your local farmers market and check out what they've got. I, you've heard me say it a zillion times. It's one of the highlights of my week is getting to go to the farmers markets and see what's in season. But it's just such a uh, it's a blessing. I love it. it mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all I need to say about it. It's it's local. It's low miles to get to your door. It, the, they put more energy into growing it. So there's more energy in it. Is the way I look at it too. Nice. Your body gets more out of it. Um, and it's just it's such a community feeling. Like I just I love it. It's great. Yeah. When we talk about eating seasonal food and it's kind of like the happy hour, it's happy hour somewhere, you know? <laughs> um, but like seasonal food, yes, strawberries are probably in season somewhere in the world at every yeah. given time. But interestingly, I, and I don't exactly know all the details of this, but I think that your food, your body can become intolerant to foods that you eat all, all, all the time. So seeds, for example, have anti-nutrients in them and it's all well and good to eat them and, and nuts, I mean, when they're in season and then you eat some nuts, you binge on them and then you don't get them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're eating them all year round, you can really become intolerant to those things. And yeah. interestingly, eggs are in the same boat as that. So eggs actually have anti-nutrients and traditionally eggs would have been seasonal. Chickens weren't laying eggs mm. every day, all the time, as far as I know. Uh, so a certain percentage of the population, I think it's something like 2% of the population does have a sensitivity to eggs. And I'm apparently one of them, uh, just because we haven't been able to tolerate the anti-nutrients in those, those eggs. Mm. So I, I think it's not so much about, is it in season somewhere and, and getting the food that has been grown seasonally. But if you're eating it seasonally locally, then you're not going to have trouble with that variety. You're going to be eating a wide variety of foods because you're going to be eating whatever's in season where you are. Yeah. And and I guess one of the best ways to figure out whether it's in season or not is just to grow it yourself. Like if you're actually, (laughs) if you're actually growing your own veggies and Steph's got a whole bunch of stuff out the back here, which is pretty awesome. But when you're actually growing it yourself, then, you know, it's only going to grow if it's in the right season. Like, (laughs) so you're going to have, you know, a a huge array. And I know Steph's definitely had this where at certain times of the year, you've just got heaps of tomatoes or heaps of chilies or whatever it is, but you're getting a huge amount of this stuff at different times of year but not all year round and that that just kind of I think adds that nice natural variety to the diet which I, I think is actually really important and then I like I do like adding some modern spins to it I do like preserving my food so yeah. yes I do eat chilies year round because I've grown them and I have thousands <laughs> so you know and and basil and the, I, I do like preserving fruits and stuff year round but just remembering when it's not in season you're eating it in moderation whereas mm. in summer I think you tend to binge a little bit more on it <laughs> Um, and another interesting way of preserving food and something that our paleo ancestors probably did do was dehydrate things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've talked on this show before about the power of the sun here in Australia <laughs> and how I would sun dried tomatoes. Uh, you put them in the sun. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep in mind it was me who said to put them in the sun. Yana was surprised. I was the one questioning and being yeah. shocked. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you really can use, use the power of the sun, lay your stuff out on rocks and whatever. Yeah. And, and sun dry things, it preserves quite nicely. Mm. Yeah. And I'm sure that happened just naturally. Like it was like, mm. it's kind of like fermented foods, right? It's like, well, you literally just leave it on the vine for long enough 
it's going to dry out in the sun or let yeah. it fall on the ground. It's going to dry out in the sun and, and probably start fermenting a little bit as well. And, and yeah. so I think that's why those sort of, you know, dried fruits and fermented foods were probably actually just perfectly natural. Like they probably weren't happening to go past the tree at the time when it was perfectly in season and just yeah. about to drop. And you probably just ate it however you got it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the last thing, and this is more of a question because I don't, I don't, I know my stance on it, but there's some things that I just don't really want to give up all year round, like (laughs) avocados, for example. We talk about that being a really excellent source of fat in our diet. And I think the benefits of eating the avocados outweighs the cons of them not being in season. And I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I know we all eat imported coconut oil. So, yes, that's true. so we are eating things that aren't in season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I definitely eat some stuff that I eat all year round and like eggs we've spoken about and avocados. And you know, there is some stuff that you do tend to just eat the whole time. But, but I still even then think it's important to like not just have it every day all the time. Like you kind of just got to have that bit of variety and go through periods where you go, yeah, I'm kind of done with that. And I think your body does that anyway. Yeah, definitely. You kind of just go through phases yeah. where you're like, I'm kind of done with that. I just want to cook something else for a while. And so just listen to your body and go, cool, I'm just going to have a break from that for a couple of weeks, eat some different stuff, mix it up a little bit. And, uh, and like I said, when you do mix it up, then think, about, okay, well, what's in season now? Like what would be a good thing to add in and kind of fill that gap? And so I don't think you have to be like, anal about it in terms of like what's in season right now i just think it's a matter of saying well you know if i am going to mix it up well, why don't i just pick something in season and get a good mix there and in addition to that things in season are cheaper like yeah. you know, broad beans are like my perfect example of this which are not paleo i'm sure because they're probably legumes being beans and i love them so <laughs> i'm growing them and eating them but you know, when it when it's just on the, the cusp of the season coming in, they can be like $18, $20 a kilo. When they're in season, they're down to about 5 or $4 a kilo. When they're going out again, it's like $10. And cherries are the same. You see cherries get imported before this, the summer season hits in Australia so that we can have cherries for a longer period. But seriously, I'm big on the finances. I'm big on budgeting for food and, and being very cost-effective with my money because I think it's good for me personally but also the environment and all those other spiritual things um so you know you eat in season you eat cheaper than someone who's going to eat out of season Mm. blueberries are another perfect example one Mm. tiny layer of blueberries like 20 in a packet for 15 dollars or something when they're out of season oh raspberries too yeah australia it's so hard to get blueberries and raspberries and so i've actually just planted (laughs) i just planted some raspberries so i'll have to take you guys out Um, but i'm really hoping to grow some raspberries because seriously 19 dollars for like 20 mm. raspberries yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy it's ridiculous yeah um before we sign off i just want to quickly add in i looked up briefly whilst we were talking the blog post that i read was from a website called ancestralize me a-n-c-e-s-t-r-a-l-i-z-e-m-e.com and the um blog post is called pally women are fat spelled p-h-a-t very <laughs> west side yeah it was yeah. a good post yeah. and another really good resource for i know some of you listening are going what like, they didn't really answer any of my questions because <laughs> Mark Sisson on Mark's Daily Apple has a really awesome series going called Is It Paleo? And you can literally look up pretty much anything that you have a question about, like chia seeds and psyllium husks and, like, all of these weird, quote-unquote, health foods Uh that you can look up and he does a really cool analysis on each of them, whether it's paleo, not paleo, acceptable, 
you know, yeah. undecided. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool, and I really enjoy that, and that's where I send everyone who asks me question. that question. Nice. <laughs> so, Very good. Um, yeah, so I guess we're going to sign off for today. I just want to remind you guys that we do have Cave Camp coming up yes. in May. So much fun. So we really, really want get to get to meet some of the people who are listening to us. I feel like you guys all know us really well, but we really want to get to know you. So check out that paleoshow.com for all of the details about that and how we can uh, have a really wicked weekend together. Nice. Yeah. So until next week, check us out on Facebook, share your story, and help to grow the Paleo Tribe worldwide. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.